This podcast is brought to you by the film Ezra from Bleecker Street, directed by Tony Goldwyn with an incredible ensemble that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, and Whoopi Goldberg. Ezra is a funny and endearing story about Max, a divorced father struggling to co-parent his autistic son, Ezra. When faced with difficult decisions about the future, they embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Deadline calls Ezra a touching testament to the power of love. In theaters May 31st. Pampers Cruisers 360 is the must-have diaper to help keep your baby from taking it right off, which, if you've experienced this, can lead to complete chaos. With its 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your baby for a comfortable fit, your active baby can move freely. Think of it as baby yoga pants. Cruisers 360 offers a gap-free fit and has a blowout barrier at the back of the diaper to help stop any unwanted disasters. The best part? That stretchy waistband makes it so easy to change your wiggly baby who is always on the move and can't be stopped. Just rip the sides to remove and roll it up with the disposal tape on the back. Voila! Pampers Cruisers are available in sizes 3 to 7 and now feature fun new prints. Pair with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, made from 100% plant-based cloth that grips the mess without fear of tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. For trusted protection, trust Pampers the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Hi, this is Laura Vanderkam. I'm a mother of five, an author, journalist, and speaker. And this is Sarah Hart Unger. I'm a mother of three, a practicing physician, and blogger on the side. We are two working parents who love our careers and our families. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. Here we talk about how real women manage work, family, and time for fun. From figuring out childcare to mapping out long-term career goals, we want you to get the most out of life. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. This is Laura. This is episode 147, which is first airing in late May. We are going to be talking summer books, interviewing uh, our great friend KJ, who is the author of The Chicken Sisters which is coming out this summer. And she's going to be talking books and reading and getting kids to read and all those great topics. I think Uh, she's our first repeat guest. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she is. So there we go. We're having her on again because we loved her so much the first time. So, Sarah, you have summer reading lists. I do not, (laughs) right? You you made your 2020 reading list early. No, I didn't make the whole year. I didn't. No, I, I do it like by 
quintile or whatever because and then if I like find something that I think will be like a great read for a particular time of year I might like stick it down preliminarily but no I don't have like all the books I want to read for 2020 because then that wouldn't leave any room for like new stuff that comes out or things I don't know about or things I hear about from KJ or from Ann Bogle so you know gotta leave space but last year I did um based on the modern Mrs. Darcy summer reading guide I created I think that was the first time I decided to do like a pre-done list kind of ahead of time. And I really enjoyed that. Like having, it was something like 12 books that I had picked out ahead of time that I was like, this is going to be my reading summer. So I don't have to keep thinking about what I'm going to read next because I already will know kind of what's on the docket. And it helped me manage my library reserve list really Mm -hmm. proactively, um, which is not something I had really done before. (sighs) I miss my library reserve list. Our libraries are not currently open. Um, I know some areas are doing pickup and stuff at the library. I don't think ours have gotten to that yet. But yeah, I really enjoyed doing that. And I think I will do it again. So I'm excited to maybe get some ideas from KJ. And then also, I know that this is airing at the end of May and the modern Mrs. Darcy guide comes out mid-May. I believe it's like May 14th for subscribers and then like the 15th or 16th for other people. So um, yeah, so if, if anyone here isn't already reading her blog or listening to her podcast, that's modernmrsdarcy.com in the What Should I Read Next podcast. And she has a great books list that comes out every year. And she has also been a guest on also Best been of a Book guest. World. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, what about you? Have you read anything good lately? Do you have any, do you like to lighten up your reading for the summer? I feel like you've been in a very heavy reading streak. I don't know if I've been a heavy, light reading streak. I don't know what sort of reading I'm in. At the moment, I'm just not in a brain space for a whole lot of, I, well, partly in the past few weeks, I've been cranking out a whole book myself in a period of about three weeks. So I have not had any excess capacity for dealing with words. So hopefully I will get back to reading at some point. I I need something light, but I I don't even know. I haven't been able to even do much of fiction light. Okay. Well, so Sarah's holding up the nothing just be here book. Um, you think I should read it or you think I should? It's very light. It's, it's very really weird. Light. You might hate it. I, I loved it. it. Okay. Um, but as I read it, why I would like, I hate well, it? Like, I like why you think I would hate it? Because you're going to be like, he used a weird literary device and it doesn't really make sense, which is true. But I still like really <laughs> enjoyed reading it and it brought out a lot of interesting thought patterns for me. And um, it was one of those books I just wanted to tear through. So. Okay. All right, well, there you go. Okay, maybe I'll give it I a enjoyed whirl. It a, I enjoyed it a lot, but okay. it, it has very mixed reviews and it's weird. And I even was literally thinking to myself, I think Laura would hate this. <laughs> well, sorry. maybe I'll read it just to hate read it because sometimes there's it's a short book reading. and I feel like I got through it. I, I don't know. Anyway, no, I I just read, as we're recording this, I finished The Boys of Summer, which is Roger Kahn's book about the early 1950s Brooklyn Dodgers. Oh, that sounds now fun. I have been reading. I, there's so many books about the early 1950s Brooklyn Dodgers. I mean, partly it's because it was when Jackie Robinson was on the team. And so there's a lot that, you know, is going on with, with that, which, which is also sort of fun to get to read about Jackie Robinson in the moment, which of course now he's become this sort of like saintly figure in history of, of, you know, what he did, obviously the pioneering of, of integrating major league baseball, but you know, he was a, tough, aggressive guy. And I mean, it was like, you think about it, you, you know that, of course, because what he was known for is stuff like stealing home base. Like you don't get that when you're like the sort of 
he put on, he had some of this mild mannered front because he was told like, I, you have to like not react, right? When people are screaming at you, when people are you know, calling you horrible things, like to get this integration to happen, you have to be calm and not react to it. But of course, and on the field, he was like the most amazingly aggressive player ever. And so it's kind of fun to read that part of it as well. But anyway, so a lot of people have written about this team. You know, Doris Kearns Goodwin wrote about like maybe next year, this something like, I forget exactly the name, but she was a big fan as well. There are a lot of good writers who grew up in the 1950s in Brooklyn. So there's sort of that aspect of it too. But anyways, it was a reasonable book because uh, he uses the device of, he was a young reporter for the Tribune Herald when he covered the Dodgers. And then he went back to revisit all of them later. Uh, mm, was, that sounds familiar. Well, it turns out it's a device many people have used. So he clearly used it before <laughs> I did since he wrote this book. I'm, in like I'm referring to Laura's novel, The Cortland Boys, which also features a young reporter. Reminds me a little bit of my podcast co-host that goes back <laughs> to... And it's a great book, actually. It would be a fun summer read. So the Cortland well, Boys go on your list. You but you it needs to be on paper. Yes, yeah, so. need to get it. You need to get it paper published because I think right. it's. Well, I, I think will. it warrants it. It's okay. that good. All right. Well, I will. Um, we'll we'll see about that. <laughs> anyway, all right. So now we're going to talk KJ's recommendations for for summer reading. So looking forward to this. Well, Sarah and I are delighted to welcome KJ Delantonia back to the program. She, as we said in the intro, is our first repeat guest. Um, we were talking about her book, How to Be a Happier Parent. I guess it was a year, two years ago, two years ago now. Two. two years ago now. That's when it came out. But she is back with A, because she has another book out called The Chicken Sisters, which is her first novel. But she is also going to share some great summer reading picks for us. So we're very excited about that. So KJ, welcome back. Thank you for having me back. And I am so excited. There are so many good books coming this summer. And I'm really like dying to share them. All right. Well, let's do it. I mean, Sarah and I can literally just mute ourselves. And yeah, <laughs> our plan was to basically just let you just, talk. We'll, we'll do a few questions, but go ahead. Yeah. You tell us. What do we PJ have to read this As summer? far as I'm concerned, you're invited back yearly for summer reading. So you can just put that in your <laughs> I, calendar for next year. I love it. I love it. There, I mean, really, there's there's so much good stuff coming out. Some of it is really obvious stuff that people have heard about. Catherine Center has a new book. It's called What You Wish For. She had pretty big hits, uh, a big hit last summer with Things You Save in the Fire. And I've already read I, some of the things I'm going to recommend I have read and some of them I haven't. What You Wish For, I was lucky enough to get in an arc. And it, if you like Catherine Center, it's going to it's going to satisfy everything you want from her. It's Got, got all the pieces for a great summer read, a protagonist with a problem and a challenge and an exciting, not an exciting, but like sort of a, I love books that get dive into a workspace that I don't work into. And this one's in a school and I like that romance, but the romance isn't necessarily completely at the center of the book. And just, and all that satisfying stuff where there's somebody that you would really like to see get theirs. That can be really fun in a summer read. You know what I mean? So. That's a good one. Uh, Jen Weiner has one coming out. Can't miss that. Kristen Higgins has one coming out. That's a great one. But I wanted to focus also on some debuts, some people that have books coming out that um, you know we, we haven't heard from yet. So I'm really excited. 
full disclosure, haven't read this yet. So I'm showing it to you guys because you're on the video. But Ooh, um, yeah, we, that's kind of unfair. For, you're going to have to say the name. You can't. I, I don't have all the books. So this is Suzanne Nugent. She is a TV writer and a very funny presence on Instagram, at least. Uh, as where she is, I think, Sue's Nuge, which I like. And this is called Brunch and Other Obligations. It's getting a lot of buzz and it strikes me as sort of, let's just say that the fourth word on the blurb is bookworm. You you had me at bookworm. Fine. And is that a novel? Because That it, one's a novel. Yeah. Okay. I'm really cool. heavy on the novels. I didn't, I only have a couple of nonfiction ideas. So I'm hoping some of you, like that summer, you guys have some. Summer is a novel kind of a time. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean generally, what do you guys like to read during the summer? I like I like to have like a balanced list. I want I want a novel, but I often I like to have a um especially as summer gets on to gets on and starts to end, I like to have some books that sort of are inspiring to me to move into fall. Like Laura's books often fill that role, a Gretchen Rubin books. I've got a couple of good ideas for that. But yeah, I I, I definitely like the sit by the pool stack where you're like looking forward to each and every one of them so you're why don't so we right get, the, yeah the why don't beginning we get, of summer and end of summer can have a different vibe that's yeah, that's, yeah that's an absolutely interesting point. and i think you want some balance in it like you want some things to be the the sort of candy of re- the, the the light stuff and maybe you want something that's a little more literary or maybe has a little drop of has a little uh, maybe a, a harsher harsh isn't the word a bigger emotional vibe like more, you know, so, so you want some capers and you want some big emotions and maybe you want, there was another, there was another, oh, a thriller. You might want to throw a thriller in there or you might not. I so, usually put a sci-fi in the thriller category because I'm more of a sci-fi girl than a thriller, but I do have some really fun thriller ideas. Well, why don't you give us first like a book or two that's total pool read. Okay. Um, so let's say pool read and then we can do maybe literary and then we can do the the sci-fi type Perfect. Thing. Okay. Let's All right. do that. Total pool read. Well, I'll plug my own Chicken Sisters pl- total pool read. That's exactly where it fits. But even even more so, Abby Waxman has a new one coming out. She had The Bookish Life of Nina Hill last year. Lots of people really loved that, including me. Again, you had me at bookish. This one is called I Was Told It Would Get Easier. And it is... Um, it's the story of a mom and a kid on a college tour, which has now become science fiction, but oh well. <laughs> and she's just really good. I think this is her, it's either her fourth or her fifth book. So you're in really solid hands. Like she's gonna, you're gonna romp along with these people and it's gonna work. Same thing with Amy Popple, P-O-E-P-P-E-L. She has musical chairs coming out and it's not out till July. So you got to kind of wait for that one. But again, it's going to be like, you can count on her. I think this is her again, third or fourth book and she's going to nail it. Like it's not going to sort of flake out at the landing or something like that. A debut that's out right now that I'm, I'm so excited about, but has not yet landed in my mailbox because everything is a little slow is Emily Henry's beach read. So this is classic. First of all, good titling, Emily Henry props to you. Anytime you put summer beach, I think I'm going to write a book called summer beach vacation Nantucket bookstore. <laughs> that will just that'll just cover all of it. Oh, vacation. Summer Beach Nantucket bookstore vacation and everyone will just uh, flock to it. Anyway, read Beach that. Read is um it's a romance writer and a literary fiction author 
in sharing a beach house for, you know, whatever reasons. And they challenge each other to only read in their genre for the summer. Yeah, I, I could see Sarah nodding. I know. I know. Me too. Me too. You get, you've got me with that. So haven't read it yet, but I'm really excited about it. And then um, I've got Laura Hankins' Happy and You Know It here. That, I haven't read it yet. I think it's probably going to, it's going to kind of fit into the classic if you liked, um, if you liked, oh, uh, it's it goes, and minor catastrophes is the right kid. Oh, what is it? Oh, this is awful. I love this book. Um, well, KJ, why don't you think about it? We're going to okay. take a short ad break and you can think about it. We'll be back in just a minute. Well, we are back with KJ Delantonia, who is talking summer beach reads, and she left us with a hook right before the ad break <laughs> that she was comparing this book to something else, which was Minor Dramas and Other Catastrophes by Kathleen West. All right. <laughs> that one's already out. I read it. I loved it. It would make a good, it would, it would make a very fun sit by the sit by the beach, read it. It's it's another school. It's another hothouse parent helicopter school book, but I happen to like hothouse parents helicopter school books. So that one totally worked. So those those are those are gonna be like my beach reading. Let's see, do I have anything else on the beach, beach, beach? Um, that one's kind of thrillery. Oh, so if you like a beach tearjerker, you might want to look for You and Me and Us by Allison Hum Hammer. It's new, it's out just I think it just came out in April. Uh, I think that's going to work. Or if you want your beach reads to be historical, I kind of I, I thought about like because that's a thing, right? There's the thriller tear or the the beach read tearjerker. Uh, if you want a historical beach read, you might check out the Jane Austen Society. Once again, excellent titling, Natalie Jenner. You had us at Jane Austen. This one is a group of people in. I forget if it's right after, I think it's right after World War II, might be in the early 50s, coming together to save a, a Jane Austen related house. So got a little history, but not too much. Sounded really good. They know their, know their markets there. <laughs> yeah. And right. if you want, if you want one more, one, one more, more, I one can't more. stop. One more beach read, East Coast Girls by Carrie Clutter. I think that one is the beach read with the inner mystery. So if you like that, the group of people with a secret. That's that's going to be your East Coast girls. Carrie Clutter. That is getting amazing buzz. The Goodreads reviews, and believe me, Goodreads are people are savages. People are people are really <laughs> the Goodreads savages. Honest. The Goodreads <laughs> savages. Uh, the Goodreads savages really like it, so that is a good sign. All right, so KJ, we've got our beach reads now. If we want to go a little more literary, what what should we? What should we? So sometimes I. Not last summer so much, but the past two summers, I've tried to tackle one of those longer, big books that, you know, mm. was on the list. Kristen Lavin's daughter. Yeah, Kristen Lavin's daughter. I did uh, the uh, George uh, Eliot Middlemarch. Oh, cool. At one point, and that was, that was good. So tell us, what can we read? Maybe not that long, but. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't have anything on here that is that long. Oh, oh my gosh. I missed, I missed a total beach read. I will come, I'll come back to it. I just circled it. I'm totally coming back to that one. So with the literary stuff, I just, I 
I have a couple of that aren't out yet that I'm excited about. One's called Motherland. It's by Leah Frankie, F-R-A-N-Q-U-I. And this is going to be an immigrant style American story. It is it, I, what I the reason I picked the ones I picked is that they're like literary beach reads. They have some of the elements of things that make things easy to read. They have relatable protagonists. They have this one's got the restaurant scene in it. I love a book that's got restaurant scenes in it. And yet they tend to tackle some bigger societal issues in a more overt way. A lot of beach reads tackle societal issues too, but it's it's lighter. They're more on the side. So there's Motherland. And then I also pulled out Empire of Wild. I haven't, yeah, I haven't read either of these yet, although I actually have them. But they're, this one's kind of got a weird, um, this a weird fable vibe to it. Uh, the, the back is the it's inspired by the traditional Canadian Matisse legend of the Rogoro, a werewolf-like creature that haunts the roads and, wo- and woods of Native peoples' communities. So, yeah, once you say the words Native peoples, you're basically in literary character. Because <laughs> that, that's just, typically you are. And it shouldn't be that way. Let's have some Native people romance. They can have stories. romance novels, too. Absolutely. <laughs> but but it often happens that way. And that's kind of where we are. And then I, I brought in Writers and Lovers from Lily King, which is already out and is getting a lot of buzz. It's Jenna's book club on the star or, or on the sticker. Lots of people are reading it. Haven't read it yet, but that'll be, those are going to be my sort of serving of, of stuff that's a little bit deeper. And I feel like I wrote down one other. Oh, you guys might want to look for The All Night Sun by Diane Zinna. This one's literary and takes place in Sweden. And it's about, it's sort of one of those um, kind of slightly dark women's fiction or women's friendship books. Sounded sounds sounds super fun. And that Sweden is a just lot awesome. Of my, yeah, that's like all my buttons right there. Yeah, well, <laughs> and the all night sun, right? So, and in the summer, so you you know you know you got you, you got some pieces of that that you're already picturing. We're halfway there. We're halfway there. Yes, and so these are literary books that aren't going to then put you into a 37 page stream of consciousness thing. I mean, so no, yeah, I, I have not recommended um, my struggle or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been waiting for my. I feel that my 14 year old boy may be penning a book called My Struggle downstairs, even as we speak, and it's featured. It's, it's like you know, Zoom calls and and too much homework, and because every day he comes into my room and presents a monologue from my struggle and I just want to go <laughs> just capture this all <laughs> you're such a, you're such a man already <laughs> well we had we had a funny little um I mean in terms of like summer reads sort of things that so my oldest son Jasper is writing a novel which go is about, Jasper which is about vampires but we we had a bit of a um sad crisis yesterday because he's calling it midnight and it turns out that Stephanie Meyer is coming out with a vampire. That's the one that's what she called it. We didn't even mention that for your your summer read, but yeah, Stephanie Meyer Meyer is surprising us all with a a gift novel in August. It's called Midnight. Oh, that's true. It may be Midnight Sun. It may be getting at the whole sweet I don't know. But uh yeah Yeah. I wonder if he could like slightly off because there's lots of books that have like similar titles. Similar and in title. fact, that might benefit him because once it there hits Amazon, they'll be searching for Midnight and they'll see this other book. Well. So Midnight yep. in 
Midnight could work. Midnight in Pennsylvania. <laughs> yes. No, it's, I, I'm enjoying it so far. All right. Well, I have a vampire book for, okay. I don't know that it's for Jasper, but maybe it'll, it'll help you with his vampire. It'll, it'll, so this is out already. Super fun. I talked about it on Instagram, I think last week. It's the Southern Book Club Club's Guide to Vampire Slaying. They had me at 90s book club turned Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but it actually this it's a it's a more serious. This is not a romp. It's actually a, almost a literary vampire thriller. There is a real thread of societal justice and feminism, in particular, gender issues, all kinds of interesting stuff going on in this book that was totally unexpected for me. Plus. It is, in fact, a thriller about a Southern book club having to tackle a vampire. There's no spoilers there. And then it's bizarrely realistic. Like, y- you you buy it. It's not Buffy where, you know, she she stabs the vampire and somehow the, bof- the bodies waft away into the sunset. Like, it's very detailed. Anyway, it's really, it's fun and, and worthy and... Um, well, I don't know. Yeah, feminist, I feminist vampires. Feminist vampires is an interesting concept. No, the, the vampires are not. The vampire oh, okay. is not the feminist. Okay, no, gotcha. no, 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 no. That is, in fact, part of the problem. Okay. Oh, yeah. well. The vampire ain't no feminist. <laughs> the vampires are not feminist. But nobody. Okay. This is the 90s, so nobody is a feminist. It's uh, the 90s in, I don't remember if it's Nashville or it's not Nashville, but it's in the 90s in something somewhere like this. No one is a feminist. Uh, and interesting. It's... It, it's it, I gotta that say, KJ, from these these premises and these titles you're sharing, I feel like the industry may have upped its game in terms of the mashup slash, you know, interesting <laughs> note that I mean, either they're just following what people really like to read and and that there's something to that. I mean, a book is a product. So yeah. you know that people like bookstores and Jane Austen and vampires and Midnight Sun, like why not? Like, say- I think it might be just me, be like the way I'm talking about them, because that's I my I have a book coming out, and it's a global pandemic, and so figuring out how to market it and talk about it, so, and so that people want to read it, has been really challenging. And I've got my eyes really out big on how other people are marketing their books. Um, my podcast so co-host Serena Bowen is a multi-best-selling romance novel. And what she doesn't know about marketing a book online, she's an indie author. Nobody, nobody knows. And so we just spend a lot of time on like, okay, what are the three things in that book that make you want to read it? And so that's this, that's kind of the way my mind has been working out, working lately. Also because I've been putting these books on Instagram and trying to share debut auth- authors. I want to give people the stuff that makes them want to read it. And that's what makes me want to read it. Do you feel like readers are interested in any particular, you know, the themes that you just mentioned? Yes. But like, are there also like, well, so first of all, I will say that it's interesting that there are no like post-apocalyptic type books that are popular now because I think it's too close to home. I'm serious. Like no Station Eleven can come out in 2020. Like, no. Um, But are people looking for coziness? Like, what are they, what do you find that people are seeking in these current times? It seems like people are looking for distraction and they're not bothered by the fact that the distraction inherently has to take place in a book that is before, you know, cause nobody's yet written. And I don't, as an author, I don't know that I even want to write. If I were an indie romance writer, I might write a short story set in COVID and just put it out. Like that would be kind of fun, but I don't know that 
Book-wise, I don't think it, we can't really do anything with it until we know where it's going. It would be very hard to just, anyway. Um, kind of like all the 9-11 books that have come out in the last like five years or so. Yeah. Like we couldn't, right. they couldn't have come out in yeah 2003 or something. No, I mean, somebody was able to do something fairly quickly on and, and it worked because of the way that they approached it. So that some brilliant person will come up with that stuff. But yeah, I probably wouldn't be, I'm not an apocalyptic reader anyway. You know, I'm still having nightmares from reading The Stand as a like teenager. So, so I probably wouldn't be sitting here with those. Although I did bring some thrillers. Well, before we get to those, though, KJ, I want to make sure you get a chance to tell our listeners about the Chicken Sisters. And you know, you mentioned a little bit about marketing your book during the pandemic, but sort of what, how this is shaping how people are you know launching books now, since clearly we we're not going to bookstores right. places we're not going speaking tours or anything like that so what no, uh, all the people i was hoping to go meet and, and all the you know bookstore table placement doesn't matter right now airport bookstores woohoo uh, you know all the things that used to help push a book along and now we're really uh you know it, it's it's all online and it's not really clear whether people want to go to book events online it depends if you've got a name already sure Jen Weiner is getting people to come to her her book events online. Online, sorry. When Kristen Higgins releases hers, people will come listen to her talk about it. Me, not so much. I, you know, I, I've not. I'm just not that person. So there's just this real. I mean, there's a lot of anxiety around. I can reach my people. I can reach the 5,000 people who follow me on such and such and the X thousand who follow me on Twitter, but they're not all interested in fiction. They're not all going to buy the book. And so to try to push beyond our individual social media bubbles is kind of the challenge. And I think what we're seeing is authors trying to, at a, the very minimum, share their own social media bubbles. So we're seeing stuff like A Mighty Blaze, where a couple of, you know, neither of them is a super famous author, but they're just a, a couple of, of fiction authors have come together to just gather everyone and say, let's, you know, let's try to use our all our various platforms to spread everyone out. And that is the really great thing about being a writer. And we've talked about this on the End Writing podcast or one of the many things. Nobody buys just one book. Like I can give you this whole, nobody goes and is like, I will buy a beach read for my whole life, or even for this year, I'm going to buy my one. There, I mean, yes, some people don't buy very, but most book readers leave with, you know, it's, there's a reason book, book stack is a hashtag. Anyway, so we can share, and that's what I've been really working to do is share other people's work and also to go ahead and just outright ask, will you please share mine? I think people would like, you know, people who like, people who like Abby Waxman's books are going to like the Chicken Sisters. People who like Ellen Hildebrand. That, that's a big name. So it's a, sort of a big ask, but I'm, and I don't know her. I'm not asking her to do anything, but that's, that's where my book fits. So knowing where you fit and then trying to find the readers of those books that don't already know about you, that is the challenge. Well, I, I, I'm just curious as to what book sales are doing because I've actually bought more books in the last two months than I've bought in the last two years because the library is no longer an option. So I would think that for the right types of reads and also, you know, that that escapist instinct, right? Books are a lovely way to go to another time and another place, which I know a lot of people are looking for right now. So I'm sending you positive vibes. I think people will buy. Apparently, yeah, apparently the situation is not totally dire with respect to 
book sales. Um, they're they're still, but they're not they're not flat. They're they are declining. All right, so KJ, you you have to tell us the setup of the Chicken Sisters. Okay. <laughs> like I, I would love to, to tell you the setup times. of the Chicken Sisters. <laughs> <laughs> so the Chicken Sisters is the story of two sisters, two small town sisters, one who stays, one who goes, and they're perhaps rash decision to attempt to use a reality TV restaurant competition between the two fried chicken restaurants that they've grown up with in their town to try to resolve their ongoing feud about who has made the better life choices. Because we all know that nothing solves problems like reality TV. So you can expect in it, there's a very uh, uber organ, a professional organizer whose life is not as tidy as it looks. Obviously, there's the two fried chicken restaurants um, that have been feuding for generations. So there's a generations long family feud. There's lots of small towniness. There's a, and mo- above all, there's people. Both of my protagonists are really struggling to figure out what makes them happy, and they're looking to each other to see what their sister has done, and thinking that. That makes her happy. And then ultimately they need to figure out that um, they have to choose to find their own way to, to be happy that uh, sorry, I, I flaked off there because that sentence doesn't always end in the same way, but, and there's like a manipulative reality TV host and there's an all chicken version of Stephen King's Carrie and there are <laughs> secrets and a dog. And, and I mean, it's, it's fun, but it's got, you know, it sounds, I mean, I literally, if you saw me look away, it's because I just pre-ordered it while you were talking. <laughs> so I think it sounds worthy. Worthy. Well, there you for go. any fellow authors out there, learning those things that make people, so figuring out what, we all have little things that make us go, oh yes, I will read that book. And, you know, Jane Austen, bookish, uh, for some, some people, like anything about twins or anything about adoption or anything about anything about reality TV or anything about uh, sports wives or, I mean, there are, there are sort of all kinds of little various tropes and I'm not doing a great job of listening to them. But once you start to see those and you, it's a really great way to help people find books that they're, that they would be interested in is, is just by pulling those out. Yeah. All right. So let's just do our, our thriller slash sci-fi list. Um, and, and then we will have more than our listeners can handle. <laughs> yes. All right. One more beach read. Last Tang Standing. Lauren Ho. It's your crazy rich, Asian, rich Asians of the summer. So there well, you go. Sarah just pre-ordered that one too. Yeah, okay. You had me at <laughs> that. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. You had me at that. I, I don't know how much rich, but anyway, it's that's what it is. Or that's the shortcut to it. And I think it's going to be a really fun read. So thriller wise, we've got, there's a couple of new series starting to come out. Um, there's body in the garden by, uh, I wrote down Catherine West, but she wrote minor dramas and other catastrophes. And I have a sneaking suspicion body in the garden, maybe a different, Oh no, it's Kathleen. Okay. Minor dramas and other catastrophes is Kathleen West. Body in the garden is Catherine West. They are both good. Body in the Garden is historical, cozy, modern twist, feminist, traditional memory uh, mystery. So that is fun. If you like a little travel in with your thriller, like if you'd also like to take a trip to Ireland while you're solving your decades old mystery with your female protagonist, I'm going to recommend Sarah Stewart Taylor's The Mountains Wild. You almost even 
there, there's there's so much Irish atmosphere in this. You you might like need to just carry around a wool sweater while you're reading it, even though it's going to be the middle of summer. It's yeah, and she's a really solid. Again, she's going to stick the landing. This is not by any means her first rodeo. She's a very solid writer. New thriller that I, I haven't. I'm not a huge thriller reader, but I um, I looked for some that it felt like they would still be fun for me. So I've got. All the Broken People by Leah Conan. This one has this super twisty. It the plot reminds me of um oh oh the everybody loves her. It was just a TV show. Little Fires Everywhere. No, that's <laughs> the other one <laughs> with Nicole Kidman. Oh, Leanne Moriarty. Yeah, the Big yes, Little Lies. Very, but, yeah. okay, this yes. one's got a very Leanne Moriarty style, twisty plot. All the Broken People, Leah Conan, definitely one to look for. And then I think my last thriller suggestion is for fans of Killing Eve, because it's got that professional criminal killer aspect to it. It's called The Lady Upstairs. It's a debut also, and it's by Haley Sutton. Well, that is going to be all the books anyone is going to be able to read this summer. <laughs> you have a lot of time at the pool. <laughs> no, this is awesome, KJ. These are this is a great list, and um, so I'm sure some people are curious. How do you get the books ahead of time? Um, I oh. think some of our listeners would love to know how that happens. Um, it's it's because I have the podcast yeah. and I review them, and I have been re- reviewing books for many years, so. In some cases, it's it's because of that. In some cases, it's because, in one case, in the Catherine Center, it's because I was in my, my local bookstore right before all of this imploded, and she happened to have the ARC and be finished with it. And I was like, can I have that? And she was like, yes, because we're butts. So that was cool. And then, yeah, sometimes people just send them to you. Yeah. Um, the one thing we never hit was if you wanted those end of summer nonfiction things oh, okay. to sort of start taking yeah. you. I, I just have two things. Okay, two things. I, yeah. I have Life is in the Transitions, which is by Bruce Feiler. Mm-hmm. It's um, Poe Bronson-esque. It's a lot of stories about the ways that the transitions in people's lives have set up their entire life story. And it's a little bit about managing transitions and a lot about loving them and reveling them. And it's called uh, Mastering Change in a Nonlinear Age. He is really, Bruce Feiler, again, rock solid. Lots of people are going to recognize him and have read stuff from him. Council of Dads was him. It's an NBC TV show now because <laughs> yeah, it's not about his life. It's about his death, but fortunately he didn't it actually didn't happen. die. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it all yeah. worked out. <laughs> Pretty crazy. And then the other one I'll bet your listeners are going to really dig. Lots of people are fans of Lisa Woodruff. She is the host of the Organized 365 podcast and her book about the paper solution, it's actually called the paper solution, is coming in August. That would be a perfect, I, I know how I feel in August that I'm going to like get organized. So this is like that, that get organized read that you can read while you're still on the beach and imagine that you're getting organized, which is maybe <laughs> well, the best reading way to about do it. it instead of actually doing it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm really good at that myself. So Lisa has been a guest on the podcast as well. And Sarah, oh, Sarah is actually doing the, the yes, organized challenge Lisa, right now. So um, I am starting her hundred day program that she actually graciously gifted oh, to me. And that was very nice for her for because she had been on our podcast. So I yeah, am very excited. I'm a big fan of Lisa. So I'm going to get that book too. Excellent. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, KJ, we always end with our love of the week. So Sarah and I can go first since um, give you a minute to think about it. (laughs) (laughs) 
Sarah? <laughs> now now oh, I'm like, yes. wait a minute, I had one, but I forgot. Um, well, last night we, um, so background, you know, we do movies a lot of nights these days because why the hell not? And the movie that we kind of, usually we let the kids pick, but every once in a while we kind of foist our own choices upon them. And last night Josh is like, we're watching Groundhog Day. And let me tell you, has withstood the test of time. That movie is a great movie. I would watch it tomorrow. <laughs> I loved it. I think I've so, used that that yeah. movie as a hook for like writing about the concept of time like way too many times. I have definitely <laughs> like I think every February two or so I mentioned the movie to then get into something of like how would you like to spend your time if you knew that you, you could only spend you your time on that movie recently? Because no. like it's just like classic like nineteen early nineties. 90s-ness and it's but it's really well it's very cute so that's yeah. that's good okay that would be a good one so one thing i am not personally into but my children are loving at the moment is avatar the last airbender uh which the series is for seeming so jasper's most into it he's my 12 year old but my eight-year-old and five-year-old are also watching it with him so that tends to be an every day around four o'clock kind of activity, which is a good time to have people do something that doesn't involve hitting each other. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> which is, which is the alternate four o'clock activity. Yeah. 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 So I get that. yeah, that's, that's something they're loving. How about you, KJ? Um, can I do something that is a thing to buy? Oh, sure. So, yeah. Okay. So I was on Instagram recently probably 10 minutes ago, but as we that's are. not yeah. when I heard. Yes. As, as one is constantly until one throws the phone across the room. And one of my friends had just ordered ice cream from Jenny's ice cream, J E N I S. And I was unaware that you could do this. Wait, how does that and even work? <laughs> I, yeah. And it's not even, I thought, well, this is going to be like $50 a pint because of the shipping and stuff. It wasn't that bad. I mean, it's, it's, pricey ice cream already and they're pints, but this is really, really delicious ice cream. And you can get a, a box of, of six pints and it would just, it came yesterday and it was such a treat for all of us just to, we had new flavor. I picked out all the flavors and we all had an ice cream taste test and it was a blast. And on top of that, they ship you a large quantity of dry ice, which depending on how old your children are, oh, might turn out to be better than <laughs> I, all, all afternoon yesterday. I didn't know the ice cream had come. So I was sitting up in my office actually recording a podcast with and I just suddenly start hearing boom. <laughs> boom. It's like it's chemistry like, class what? again. Yeah. They were blow they had put dry ice and food coloring in Coke bottles and they were shooting arrows at them because that's what as my do. children do. As, yeah, you do. as one does. As one, as one does. does. As one does. So anyway, so fun for everyone plus ice cream. <laughs> plus ice cream. It doesn't get better than that, people. It really doesn't. Well, KJ, thank you so much for coming on again. And I know people have been taking notes. That's a good thing that a lot of people aren't commuting right now listening to podcasts <laughs> in the car. So they were able to hopefully take notes and we'll, we'll put some of these up as well. All right. Thank Great. you, KJ. Thank you, guys. This was so fun. Well, that was fascinating. And now we have a question from a listener who found us while she was on maternity leave. Very exciting. Showed we didn't have to choose between career and family. But she says her first kid is 10 months old. She has a good work-life balance. She is thinking of expanding her family, but her husband said something that disturbed her. She is fairly ambitious working to become a director in her organization. And her husband thinks that once, if she wants to work toward that goal, they shouldn't have a second child. She says, I'm already working pretty hard, and once I reach my goal, I will have to work even harder. I'd love to hear your opinion on this. You both have pretty large families and successful careers. 
So that's proof it's possible. Do you have any arguments with which I can convince my husband that it's feasible to have a second kid and a career? Ooh, tough one. Yeah, what I know. My, re- my initial reaction was, whoa. <laughs> um, you know, it's interesting because I just went back and looked at her email and she wrote, our ideal was always two kids. Yeah. So, I mean, I think they need to explore was that really true? Like, is this his way of expressing that actually now that he has a child and sees what it entails that right now he's not feeling like he can handle more? Like maybe he just feels really, really overwhelmed and he just can't conceptualize the idea of putting another kid in the mix and her continuing to work as hard as she is. Um, And I think there need to be some very deep conversations about what they both truly want and what are they afraid of and what exactly why he thinks that this is an impossibility. Cause clearly he, he has to know that it's possible, but my two thoughts are that either he um, has figured out that he really doesn't want more kids and is, is, is which is valid. Like I, I want to be very careful on this podcast, not to give off the impression that like, everyone should have as many kids as possible. That's the best way to be awesome. And that's the best of both worlds. Like, no, like you should have as many kids as you feel is best for your family. And by you, I mean, you know, both of you as a family deciding together because having lots of kids where one partner doesn't want lots of kids is probably not a recipe for success. But then I also wonder if this could be sort of like still the shock period because your daughter's 10 months old and that's going to be a really hard time. And you're picturing babies, babies, babies forever. And I will say that like after having Cameron, I was like, I used to want three, but forget it. Two is good. Two is already overwhelming. I can't. And I even gave stuff away. Like I had to rebuy stuff for Genevieve. So I do wonder if like maybe some deep conversations, some discussions of logistics and fears, like what exactly is he afraid of? Um, And also tincture of time may help with this. But Laura, I'm very curious to see your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's, I mean, I think she should very, if she wants a second child, she should be very transparent and say, listen, I would like to have a second child. I would like to know exactly what is your concern about this. I mean, I think a lot of people don't, have this conversation necessarily. And so you're both sort of hinting at it back and forth. And so if she knows that that is what she wants, she should say it and then ask, you know, what he thinks about it. What's his concern? Because if it's just about her career, like I think then that she can manage. It seems like that's possibly not exactly what he's concerned about. I wondered if it was that he is doing the lion's share of the childcare Um, which is possible. Like she didn't really talk about that, but she said she had a very good work-life balance, which I wonder if that means he doesn't. (laughs) I don't, you know, if if that's the case, then that needs to be addressed and say, well, is it that we will need more help because she's traveling a lot, she's working late and he's feeling overwhelmed because he's dealing with a baby every night. If that's the case, then if she wants another kid, she needs to deal with that, right? She needs to help solve that problem for him. If it's that he was the kind of guy who really, really liked having sleeping in on Saturday mornings and having a leisurely brunch, well, I mean, honestly, you you lost that already. <laughs> so, I mean, if by having one, so I don't know what to say that two is not going to change that. Like that is actually not going to change that at all. But I mean, maybe that's an argument too. I mean, you could have three, it won't change that. You have four, it won't change that. You're not getting brunch back for a long time. So, I, not I mean, civilized brunch anyway. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, yeah. So, but I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm being humorous here, but I, I do think she needs to figure out if she states in clear terms that this is what she wants, then he can state what his objections are and then she can work with those. And if it's absolutely that he doesn't want another kid, well, then you either have to make your peace with it or figure out something completely else. But that's something for an entirely different podcast that they need to figure out. Yeah. We would love if listeners have any additional opinions or thoughts regarding the situation. I think it is an interesting question. So feel free to weigh in. Exactly. All right. Well, this has been Best of Both Worlds. We've been talking summer books and we'll be back next week with more on making work and life fit together. Thanks for listening. You can find me, Sarah, at theshoebox.com or at the underscore shoebox on Instagram. And you can find me, Laura, at lauravandercam.com. This has been the Best of Both Worlds podcast. Please join us next time for more on making work and life work together. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.